The Premier League season is over, but we still have the Champions League and Europa League to come, and Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last, or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. With the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, numbers of goals, and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch the games live, with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. There's no time to catch your breath at the moment because as soon as the Premier League season finishes, there's the full report into City's success at the Court of Arbitration for Sports. And just as we've digested that, the Champions League last 16 second leg against Real Madrid is on the doorstep. Hello, welcome to this week's Why Always Us. This is the Athletics Manchester City podcast. I'm David Mooney and with me is Sam Lee. Hello. How are you doing, Sam? Yeah, good. Uh, yeah, like you say. <laughs> well, in fact, you didn't even mention the fact that City basically signed two players last week as well, just to throw into the mix absolutely no time to, to catch your breath is there no no I mean wouldn't want it any other way but well actually I would want it slightly, <laughs> slightly less busy but no it's, it's all good plenty to look forward to and I mean yeah from Cass I don't know very close to putting it behind us now and then we can focus firmly on the Champions League which I think everybody would prefer we would focus on the football, that's it indeed, isn't it? Right now, we're offering you the chance to try out The Athletic for free. There are some great articles on the site right now, including Sam's season review, where he also discusses the signings that are needed to improve City ahead of the new season. Read that and a whole lot more right now by going to theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod to take advantage of our 30-day free trial. So, Sam, we mentioned the uh, the cast report. I think that's that's the the natural place to start, really, for this week's show. Um, what what did we learn from that first report, from that full report that wasn't kind of in the summary that that we didn't get from the from from the quick summary that they published? Well, I mean, there's so many ins and outs, and so much has happened since I actually looked through it. I've kind of forgotten all the little ones, but I mean, there's loads. But I'm going to start in this particular place because. Me and Matt Slater, and it was Matt Slater in particular who did it. Um, we're very much on the same page with it. I wrote up a draft and he improved it hugely and explained it all brilliantly. Um, it's largely his work. I'm completely on board with all of it. It's a really good breakdown of the situation. The only thing I would add to it, and I suppose the thing that I would say that we learned is, I think everybody, or a lot of people at least, were going into it thinking, uh, you know, was there any kind of technicality element with the time barred? Uh, and obviously one of the charges and kind of one season of the Etihad deal was time barred, which obviously meant that Cash just didn't look at it at all. So there was no, you know, City didn't have to provide any evidence. But I, I, well, my reading of the report, and I think this is right to say, is even if it hadn't been time barred, City would have presented the same kind of evidence that they did for the Etihad, um, the Etihad material. And effectively, there was no way that UEFA could do anything about what City had um, put forward as evidence. And if, yeah, like I say, so if even if it hadn't been time barred, I think it's fair to say that City would have been able to, you know, to prove a very strong case and get the ban overturned anyway. So I think that's that's one of the big things I'm, I'm taking away from it. I mean, beyond that, there's a load of little things, you know, the makeup of the panel, which I think some people are clinging to, um, but kind of assured by more legally minded people 
um, that you know nominating members of the panel is is completely normal, and especially if you know the other party agree. Um, however much that was pushed because your wafer wanted to get on with it or not, I'm personally not sure. Uh, I know Matt's got more information on that than us, but that that was one of the other little things. But there was just so many other things, you know, like was it five point five million documents were obtained, shall we say, from City? And how, I was, was going to say, how many emails were there? And like, there was that six, were leaked? six, like six, six, wasn't six it? Yeah. emails and one attachment. And it's it's like it's it's funny because obviously the whole overall verdict went with City, and like there's so many good reasons for that, but obviously. City don't come out of it like 100% brilliantly. There's a couple of things in there. It's like, oh, okay. But, you know, fans can live with that, especially the non-compliance thing. We covered that in the previous one. The non-compliance, I can, I can kind of see the, the logic behind. But like I say, we have covered that. Obviously, UEFA don't come out of it brilliantly either. Some people have even criticized um, Cass as well. But the, the interesting thing is about the documents, you know, it was, kind of, it was kind of confirmed that they were taken out of context. And in one case, you know, there was bits of an email spliced together which doesn't say a lot and you, you could just as kind of like Liverpool fans and United fans and Bayern fans or you know even club employees could leap on little bits of the the cast document to like discredit City's case or whatever it's like you could almost do that with the emails that appeared in the media as well um, despite the fact that in the end Cass said yeah despite these worries about them being taken out of context which they were in, in a way um they they were fine because City provided most of the emails, um, and yeah, I mean the biggest takeaway was UEFA's case was just really paper thin. I know City fans have been circulating a a breakdown of the case on football. I think it's called Football Law, the website by a lawyer, um, and I mean obviously that finds you know that obviously that says you know City put forward a very strong case and UEFA's case was really weak, um, but that's looking at it on the like the legal basis, and obviously. It, of course, it's done on a legal basis because that's why that's why that's <laughs> overturned the ban. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, legally speaking, in terms of all the procedure, you know, City were were very strong. They had that irrefutable evidence that they did um, that they said they had. I mean, I, I suppose if you were, if I'm talking about these kind of Liverpool fans and Bayern fans or whatever, they would probably say, well, irrefutable by UEFA because UEFA couldn't prove otherwise. But it, it seems like the people who wanted City to get done um, are basically hoping that somebody somewhere will be able to come and prove this evidence wrong. And obviously Der Spiegel had another bite of the cherry later in the week and just going around in circles again with that because there's emails in it that don't look good for City, but then City, you say, it's taken out of context and basically it's that organised and clear line of defence that they had first time. And there was an article in the Manchester Evening News which said how they were taken out of context and you know it was probably well sourced from within City and just going around in circles, but... Yeah, they they kind of wanted UEFA to go again, but I don't think that's going to happen. Well, I, I wanted to I just wanted to get into something you said there as well about uh, about the emails because I, I, me and you we, when we chatted uh, when the ban was announced and then when the when the um, uh, the first when the actual result came out, uh, we're talking about it depended on how much of the of the case had been time barred, how much of it were, were had City proven, and and one of the things that I was saying at the time was, you know, if if the case is simply that these emails are taken out of context, simply put them into context i didn't expect the context to be that these are two different emails that have just been cut and pasted together you know what you know what i mean yeah ex- exactly it's like it, it's a weird one because it, like i say i think this is basically exactly comparable to city's case there were some things in there that you go well that doesn't look great but ultimately they won and it's it's exactly the same thing with the documents in in the media because they don't look you know if they act, literally were like cut and pasted 
and taken out of context, then that's not great. But at the end of the day, Cass decided that they were fine, actually. So it's like, it's it's the whole thing in like kind of shrunk down into one tiny example. Like ultimately, it looks dodgy to some people, to a lot of people maybe, but it was still just about fine. And I, and I think that's why, you know, this law blog puts the case across very clearly that, you know, UEFA had a shocker in terms of what they put forward and they didn't have enough evidence and, you know, arguably shouldn't have even bothered in the first place. Um, the city's case was obviously very strong. But again, that's that's the legal side of it. But we all know these things, rightly or wrongly, it's not always the legal side, is it? And there's so many ins and outs of, oh, well, it looks dodgy and this and that and the other. Like, what, well, your very, your very first question was, what did we learn? And I kind of sniggered to myself because, yeah, there is a lot of stuff we learned and there's a lot of new stuff. But ultimately, at the same time, we didn't learn anything. Because it's like, <laughs> if, if, you didn't, if you didn't want City to get the ban overturned, then you'd, you'd go looking at the document and find find bits of evidence um, or claims even. You know, I've seen people repeated like UEFA's claims and, you know, UEFA's findings initially or the CFCB's findings initially and like trying to put that in the context of City doing wrong. And it's like, well, that's just the case they appealed against. Like, so you can take it out of context whichever way you want it. And, you know, the same way for City, you know, you, you could, you could, you, you just look for bits of discredited, everything else so you know for example the the media leaks you say oh well they were taken out of context and that was proven but you know ultimately it was fine so yeah in, in many ways we didn't really learn anything but um yeah unfortunately it will rumble on i think because people just don't believe city and don't want to believe city but there's, there's basically nothing that can be done about that unfortunately that's just kind of for want of a better phrase the narrative i suppose that's just it's set in its way now and then there's a certain reputation that gets attached to players and clubs or whatever and Unfortunately, I think for a lot of people, this is cities. And I mean, I'm not even, I'm not, I'm not saying I agree with that. City fans listening to this will just know that's the case. Just look at Twitter. You know, look at the comments on the article. You know, people have made their mind up already. But it's obviously, but it's undoubtedly good for City. You know? Yeah, I, I mean, I know I can't, I, I know you can't speak for any anybody but yourself in terms of reporting on this. But how, how do you feel it's been covered out kind of with with a view of City? Because... I mean, there was a lot of City fans unhappy with with certainly some headlines in the week about that that that, that seemed to focus on the fact that that City had been guilty of not cooperating with UEFA in the first instance, and right. just kind of completely forgotten that they'd been you know found not guilty of the actual real thing of of hiding the money. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm imagining that people who have listened to or who are listening to this podcast now have probably heard me talk about all kinds of things for years on various different podcasts or whatever and I've never bought into this idea of a media agenda of course and I still don't but like you say you mentioned there a lot of it was picked out about you know the extent to which city didn't cooperate with the investigation going into the headlines but it's like well if you were going to not we knew obviously city didn't cooperate anyway that was part of it and we also knew that they had the ban overturned so if you wanted to kind of pick into a, an exact detail you could for argument's sake go into the bit where they said there was no evidence um, or, you know, there was, there was, there was nothing that could be supported. There was, there was no link between the Etihad and the club's owners and all this kind of stuff. They, you know, you could have just as easily gone for that detail. You could have, you could have put both in a headline. Maybe I was actually quite surprised, you know, so it came out on Tuesday afternoon, the document, we had a big, we had like a full day of um, important meetings at work as well. So I was trying to get through <laughs> everything the best I could. Um, so I didn't really have time to see what other people, we're doing and I, I put a tweet out saying look it's really hard to quote snippets of this because it's so long and you don't want to read something you know you don't want to read a point and then go further down 
and go, oh shit, that's you know that was wrong, that was out of context. But the, the thing that interested me was the fact that Cass suggested that if City had just cooperated in the first place, we could have avoided all this. That kind of appealed to my sense of humour. Obviously, City fans were going, oh well, they wouldn't have found us innocent anyway. And then you know there was probably some merit to that argument. But I didn't really have a look properly at what else was being said, and then. Yeah, I saw a lot, just a lot of the headlines going the same kind of way. And I just thought, a bit unusual, that. Um, and I, I spoke to my editors the next day when we were kind of, form, well, we'd formulated our plan, what we were going to do. But we got some feedback about how it had gone and how it was going to progress because it was a long process. And I was like, I've not been brainwashed by City fans, have I? But isn't the media coverage been, uh, by and large, sort of quite weird? And, you know, a couple of the editors I spoke to were like, yeah, like, it, you know, we thought that as well. It's... I, I don't know, like, I, I'm not saying there's anything behind it, but personally, I, I just thought so, some of it was a bit weird to focus on that because, like I say, there's so much you could focus on. And ultimately, no, we wanted to get our article up before that, but, you know, obviously the whole Nathan Ake thing and the Fran Torres thing kind of pushed it back a bit as well, but it took a long time to work through. But we were always very clear that we wanted it to be very black and white and it was just always going to be factual. Um, and this is... And, you know, try and explain it to the best of our ability, but without kind of editorialising or focusing on any one element. And, you know, if there was something in there that was bad for City, it would go in there along with the good stuff. And if there was something in there that was bad for you, it would go in there along with the good stuff as well. Um, so that's how we wanted to do it. I don't I don't think that was that was the case across the board. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't know why, but, I, I mean, I have to be honest. Um, and that, that's just how it is. I, I don't know. I'm not necessarily being critical. I just surprised really um yeah there was like there's plenty to go at um plenty to get stuck into but i mean it certainly adds fuel to the fire and it certainly adds to the idea that obviously a lot of city fans have, have had for a while and particularly in the last year or maybe even six months um that you know things are written in a certain way about city and i have to say on this occasion it, it, the the coverage by and large added fuel to that fire um and I, I was surprised as well i'm probably saying too much here but well, i read a couple of takes and there was there was little things in there subtle things that maybe you wouldn't notice unless you were really paying attention or if you were a journalist but there was little things you know so i mentioned people you know citing what was claimed by uefa and it like that had crept into a couple of articles and it's like well yeah of course uefa said you know this dramatic quote about how bad city were but ultimately we're talking about the cast verdict here and I mean, it, it's fine if you say, "Well, UEFA argued this, and City argued this." Yeah, I was going to say that. It's it's about both sides. Yeah, exactly. If you're just going to say, "Well, UEFA said this, and they said this was awful of City," I, there was a few, there was a load of paragraphs. So I just had to, like go back and start again because you think I didn't see that in the report, or like, I didn't, you know, I didn't see that verdict in the report, and I was like, "Oh no, they're saying this is what UEFA said," but obviously UEFA found against that in a lot of cases, and I felt that was creeping into a few articles as well. And I, I, just, I don't know. I, very strange, very strange. And I know people are going to be listening to this saying it's not strange, Sam. This is what it's always like. I don't think it's always like this. Not in all cases. Um, I, it was, it was strange. You asked the question, you've got an honest answer. Um, yeah, the coverage was strange. Strange old week. Um, what happens next? Do you reckon? I mean, in, in terms of uh, of the outcome, you said that that you know everybody's going to take home what they want to take home from this. City's critics are going to believe City are still guilty. City fans are going to believe City are not guilty, and the the cast verdicts has sided with the City fans on this instance. Um, so so what happens next? Is it just is it going to go away? Well, like so if we. The best thing, the best thing to focus on here is the Des Beagle story, which I think was Thursday, with the kind of new revelations. But it's just like, even you know, even the people who want City to be prosecuted, and even if they want this case to be re-examined, you know, with more evidence or whatever, 
I, I even think they can't be asked to go through it all again. And like, I, I'll include UEFA in that. I'm not sure UEFA would want to look at these emails and just go, well, we'll best go back to cast then. Like, or <laughs> we best investigate again. Like, the, the, the interesting thing is, I suppose, um, in the document, it, it, it said, you know, there was a case that they had to, they had to look into it. Like they had to open an investigation. And also because obviously City didn't cooperate. They didn't have anything else to go on. So they kind of almost had to prosecute City because there was nobody saying, well, those emails aren't true. Apart from, you know, City just saying, overall, it's not true. The City didn't obviously provide the evidence for one reason or another. Um, but I can't imagine that UEFA are ever going to just look at more emails and say, well, we're going to bother. We're going to do it again. It's just not going to happen. I, I suppose um, where we are, though, at the minute, it, it, it sort of suits both parties, doesn't it? Because City have, have been yeah, able to clear the name. UEFA have been able to say, well, we tried. And it just kind of, that's that. Yeah, I remember having this conversation after one of the Champions League games. It might have even been, I think Shakhtar was the night before the Silver Lake stuff came out. And I think that was... It was either after we'd done our story saying City wouldn't get banned or we were talking about it because it was going to go up soon. We were talking to, uh, I was going to say his name then, I'll give him some credit, but just in case I shouldn't, I'm not going to. But he's, he's a good journalist. He covers these things very well. And we were saying, look, so, you know, we've got a story that, or you've, you'll have seen the story that uh, City won't get a ban. And even if they do, you know, they'll, they'll get it overturned. That was a conversation. And this guy was like, well, yeah, he goes, what I've heard is, UEFA might just go and do this anyway, look and they'll just ban City and to look strong, but they might not even go that hard. That was his kind of theory or, you know, the suggestion from somebody he'd spoken to at the time was UEFA might not even go that hard in the case and just effectively let City off. I don't think that's what they did. I think they just had a very weak case in the end, but that was kind of one of the theories flirting around, you know, nine months ago, whenever it was now. Um, People thinking that, yeah, it, it suits UEFA to look strong. And we, I suppose we can go on to the FFP element of this in a minute, which we've mentioned before, I think, in the podcast, the initial reaction. Um, they can look strong, but then ultimately they can say, well, we did our best, but we couldn't do anything else. And they are in that boat now. And also City are in the boat of, well, we proved our innocence. So you're right, it does, it does, um, it does suit everybody, really. And um, the other thing I was going to say, yeah, um, I think a lot of people were saying like immediately as soon as the announcement was was released without obviously the, all the details, just the announcement. Everyone was like, oh, well, uh, rest in peace, financial fair play and all this. And I was like, well, I don't necessarily think it is. In fact, I was asked on another like reaction podcast afterwards. Oh, is this the end for financial fair play? I was like, well, I don't think so. This isn't really about you know, being outside of the, no, it, the parameters it, of financial fair play. It's a very specific issue. And, and it, also, literally, it was literally that city had complied with the regulations. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, in a sense, it's like, well, UEFA haven't got the powers to investigate it fully, but I, I don't think it's, I don't, I don't, it's, it, this wasn't City against FFP. It was, it was kind of City against accusations that they'd lied, which was a separate thing. And I've, 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 even, I've even seen people say, if UEFA would have gone after City for FFP stuff, then, you know, City would have found it harder to disprove, but um, I've, I, almost, I haven't got the stomach for that either, to be honest. Again, this is just one of those little things around the edges that people can speculate on. Um, there's there's a lot of those. Um, I, I wouldn't say we've got closure on it, but I think we probably got as close as we're, as we're ever going to get. Um, if, if something else comes to light in future, I can't even imagine what it would be because these emails, that's normally the smoking gun, really, isn't it? That's not even the smoking gun. Sometimes it's, it's, 
it's the facts, but even these emails, you know, I can't imagine there's going to be much else unless somebody from City or Etihad or something, if this were to have happened, unless they break ranks and then testify, you know, it, I, I just can't, I can't see this blowing up again. I can't see any more evidence coming out that anybody would be able to, to do anything with if there's any evidence of anything. Do you like beer? Do you like free beer? As a valued listener, we'd like to bestow upon you just that. Thanks to our good pals at Beer52.com, you've got the opportunity to sip eight delicious, painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to Beer52.com forward slash Y, that's W-H-Y, and cover just the postage of £4.95. Got to pay the postie. And if that wasn't enough, as a listener of Why Always Us, you get two extra free beers. So that's ten free beers. Beer 52 are beer pioneers. They traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the greatest small batch breweries planet Earth has to offer. No surprise then that they're the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 delivers a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Belgium, South Africa, California, New Zealand and many more. But they haven't forgotten their roots. As an independent UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave at any time. The power is in your hands. As well as the best, most interesting beer money can buy, your case will include the award-winning craft beer magazine Ferment, which explains the theme and individual beers you'll receive, and a beery snack is thrown in as well, just to top it all off. Don't like dark beers? Easy, choose the light plan. Just go to beer52.com forward slash Y, that's W-H-Y, to get your case free. And don't forget right now, why always us listeners get two extra free beers. City's last chance of adding to their silverware collection for this season begins on Friday night. They host Real Madrid in the second leg of their last 16 Champions League tie. They're leading 2-1 from the first leg, which took place now over five months ago. Plenty will have changed in the 164 days between the games, not least Real Madrid's form. They chased down and beat Barcelona to the La Liga title in all that time as well. Uh, Sam, this felt like it was City's to lose after the first leg in February. Is that still the case? You know what, actually? I... I... I think when we spoke about the casting back in February as well, especially around the Real Madrid time, I think I always referred to it as it's one of those Champions League games you come away from and you've lost, but you think, well, there's still a second leg to come here and it's going to be all right. Um, I think that might be the position that Real Madrid find themselves in at the moment. Um, obviously, City were in that with Cas before. Um, and I, th- I think Real Madrid might be feeling confident, certainly. Um, the funny thing with the Champions League draw is it's obviously done in December. And then you've got three months. So you, you get drawn against a team in December and you look forward to it or you think, oh God, that's difficult. And then three months later, things completely change. When you get Real Madrid and they're not playing well in December, you always think, <laughs> well, by the time February comes around, it'll be Real Madrid again. You know, they will turn it on. And it's like, it's that for times a million. Obviously, it's nine months get, ago. <laughs> they didn't even get that far. Yeah, but then since then, it's like, even they didn't quite get it into gear because City obviously... Uh, not outplay, that's the wrong word, but City were better than them. They didn't outplay them. They were more intelligent than them, I suppose. They played a better game. Um, but they've they've had a three-month break and then they overhauled Barcelona. Every game they've played has kind of been competitive and must win. Uh, and and now they're, now they're gearing up to it. It couldn't be any different to what it was when the draw was made or even the first leg. So yeah, there's a lot of a lot of questions. And I suppose the interesting one is, like I say, Madrid will be in kind of game faces on. They have been on for a while, but City, you know, as well as they played in a lot of those games, as much as they were kind of concentrated, there was definitely an air of 
exhibition around a lot of their games, and especially the, the games at the Etihad. The Liverpool performance, the performance against Liverpool was was fantastic, of course, but there was the overriding feeling in a lot of games. It was just an exhibition, and it's I imagine it's very difficult to kind of flick that switch. Um, so that's that's one of the areas I'm looking out for. I do think City will win. I do think they will, but I think it will be difficult. And yes, yeah, um, Real Madrid's mentality will be. It might give them a little bit of an advantage in that in that sense, but I think the fact that Sergio Ramos isn't playing kind of takes away from that at the same time because he's so huge for them on a kind of you know personality and mentality level. So. When I when I went back and had a look at, at Madrid's form over in, in the post COVID era, um, I, I just I, I saw it. I, I saw played eleven, won ten, drawn one, and instantly I got that you know that that knot in the pit of your stomach mm. that you get where you just go oh god. And then but then like, on the flip side. I, what popped into my Twitter feed a, a couple of hours later was that was the Premier League table post lockdown, and yeah. City, City are top of that, and they're, they're they're comfortably top of that as well. Yeah, um, but I mean, how many times have we talked about talked about this? Um, and this isn't even me being overly negative about City. I think fans have kind of, whenever I've tweeted about this, fans have kind of been more um, negative, I suppose, for want of a better word, in the replies. Um, and how many times have we talked about the fact that they score four or five goals in one game, but then when they need a goal, you know, for example, Southampton, um, for example, Arsenal, they've not been able to find them. And that's kind of like, so, okay, yeah, the form is good for both teams and the form is good for City. Um, but there is still, I think, that doubt in a lot of fans' minds, just about not entirely sure how the game's going to go. Obviously, I think a lot of fans will go into the game thinking, yeah, yeah, we, we can win this. And I'm sure a lot of fans go into it nervous because that's just how, you know, different human beings are are made up in their DNA. Um, but there are there are a few things to be concerned There's, about with City. There is a subtle kind of difference in this game, though, that, that for City that, that hasn't been there in some of those games where they've needed a goal. I mean, you, you look at, at the games like Southampton, like Arsenal, where they've conceded that first goal and you've gone, right, well, that's it, it's over. They're not. They're, 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 it's one of those games where they can play all day and not score. In this game, a 1-0 defeat, while they're not going to be playing for it, a 1-0 defeat does still send them through. So it's not panic stations at that stage. No, but no, 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 definitely not, definitely not. But it is there would be an element of kicking the can down the road because then you'd be going into the Leon or Juve game, or even if they were to get through that, that then I don't know. I'd guess Bayern after that. Um, you'd then be thinking, is it going to happen again? You know, they you know, they got through by losing against Real Madrid. You know, I'm not. You know, I don't want to go too far down that kind of rabbit hole, which you know the hypothetical worst case scenario, which I've been guilty of in the past. Um, but I mean, yeah, obviously a one-nil defeat would be fine, but certainly not ideal. It, it would be fine, but that God, speaking of getting off and on technicality, that would be one. <laughs> uh, I know, I do, I do think City will score. I think they'll be fine, and this is the difficult thing because for all I've always said about you know City's relative issues in terms of sometimes they can't find the goal when they need it. This was the case in February as well, and they went to Real Madrid, and you know we've talked about not coming from behind or not having a good reaction when they go a goal down. And they went a goal down, not from a, like a massive mistake, but they gave the ball away in their own half. And they came back to win. And, you know, if Ramos hadn't got himself sent off, it could have been 3-1. Um, so they do have that mentality. They do have that ability to turn it on when they need it. You know, they played a more circumspect game, I think. You know, they were very well organised. They outfoxed Madrid. They defended well. They defended solidly. They used the ball very well. Um you know, people were critical of City. This, I remember this debate back in February. People were critical of City. They were like, oh, if they'd attacked, they could have ripped them to pieces. Like, no, that's not how it works. They, the reasons Real Madrid didn't look so good is because City played the way they did. And if City had played as openly as they do, 
if you think about the fact that they've lost to all the big six teams and lost to Wolves and all of this, if City hadn't played as openly as people were suggesting they should have to go and score more goals, they probably wouldn't have got the two away goals. They probably would have had the kind of struggles at the back, you know, being more open um, that they've had this season. So City had a great plan um, over in Madrid. They executed it really well. They had the mentality to execute it, even when they went a goal down. Um, and that's kind of what's making me think that despite the little, oh, what about this and what about that? That's what's making me think they will go through. But there are definitely a couple of things like, you know, long story short, it could be one of those days. But I think they'll be all right. But it could be one of those days because they've not done anything to kind of disprove that even in the lockdown. It's funny, I, you, you mentioned the, the Ramos the situation at the end. If he hadn't have got himself sent off, then Jesus might have made it 3-1. I, I was watching the highlights again of that game the other night and I was trying to try... I, I, it's a really delicate balance on that one, whether I wanted Jesus to go through and go down a bit later and get a penalty where it would be a yellow card and give the yeah. City the chance for the, for the extra goal. Or you accept that Ramos is banned for the second leg because it really like a three-one with a three away goals would would really change the uh, change the dynamic of the game. Yeah, I, I would. I think I, I like if you were offering me that, I would say three-one with Ramos playing would be a better position to be in. Um, yeah, but it's it's, but, um, it's very marginal, isn't it? It's not. There's not yeah, a lot in it at all. Yeah, exactly. And like the fact that we're talking about City could have won three-one in that game. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they were to win. You know, three-one in this one. You know, that that's the kind of um, kind of margins we're talking. I suppose. How's uh, how's Aguero? Do we know anything about about his fitness levels for for this game? No, just a Guardiola said he's not going to play. I don't think he's one for mind games really when it comes to injuries. I know like, every time there's like a big injury for a big game, you've always got the fans of the other team going, "Oh, yeah, he's going to play there." <laughs> Never ever does that happen. I think there, I only remember once, and it was in the hundred point season when Sane got injured at Cardiff, and they were talking about him being out for months, and he was back like two or three weeks later. But didn't didn't like, De Bruyne get stretched off at Crystal Palace and start two days later against Watford? Yeah, he did, but they never, but he said, never he said anything. Was, did he never he? said he was knackered. No. Um, yeah, he, he started against Watford. Yeah, like literally two days later. Um, but yeah, um, I don't. I don't think there's any mind games. I'm, I mean, I'm not. I'm, I don't know. I haven't been told one way or the other if he's fit or not. But Guardiola has. And, and, and initially, he was like, "We'll have to wait and see." Uh, and then as it got closer and closer, he was like, no, it's not going to happen. There's not enough time. Um, the only thing is what I would add, I don't, I'm not sure at what stage he's at, but a meniscus is the same as Mendy's injury. And the problem that Mendy's had for so long is, and apparently the problem with a meniscus injury in in terms of that, it's worse than an ACL in, in the recovery because you can you can go and you can you can feel like you're fine and you feel like you're top of the world and all of a sudden you get some swelling and you won't be able to play for a couple of games or like one game at least and obviously if you miss one game now it's not even the first leg is it? it's the game so I'm I'm a bit concerned about Aguero and in terms of how much he he'll be able to come back and contribute straight away because that that meniscus is is tricky and I mean I've no idea if this is the case or not but I'm just tossing this idea over in my head I wonder if thing is what talking about those kind of toss of a coin situations or would you take one or the other? Would you put Aguero in the final? Yeah, you would. Okay, you would. But would you put Aguero in, <laughs> would you put Aguero in the final and risk him having knee problems for like three or, three or four months next season? Or would you keep him out of the whole competition this summer and have him fit for all next season? But yeah, I think to be fair, you'd have him in the final every day, wouldn't you? I think, well, I think to, to be fair, would if we're going really stupidly hypothetical, if it was a... If it was going to be Sergio Aguero's last game ever for City and it was the Champions League final and he meant he didn't play at all next season for whatever reason, would you do it? 
Oh, get him, get him there on crutches. If it's going to be his last game, oh, you mean, oh, you mean it no, would rule I mean, him out for the... Had, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like uh, if, he, if he were to play that game and that would be the end of it, win, lose or draw, that's an interesting one. And that's quite fun. Yeah, I'm not I answering think, that I one. I'll, I'll, I'll let I the listeners answer that one. I think I would. like Because just for the fact that if Aguero could go out last game for City winning the Champions League and also it would be David Silvers as well, I think that would be worth it. I think. What a way to go. <laughs> I mean, it's not going to happen, but what a way to go. Yeah. Um, in terms of, of setup for, for City then for this game, um, what do you see happening? Because Jesus has, has had his critics. He's, you know, he's had, he's had good games and bad games in, in Aguero's absence. Uh, Sterling through the middle is, is an option. What, what's mm. your gut instinct? Yeah, I've, I think I've got, well, this is going to be completely wrong, but I'm actually fairly confident in the prediction. Whereas normally I'm like, well, I've no idea. Let's just say these 11 names. But I'm quite confident in the prediction, even though I'm not saying it's going to be right. So I'm thinking just obviously Edison, Walker. Does Cancelo play left back? Yeah, I think he will, yeah. But I was trying to work out who's going to partner Laporte. So basically my theory was the Norwich game on the last game of the season, I think like seven of the players who started that game and then three of the subs who came on at half-time will be the ones... That play so that would be I think Fernandinho in for Eric Garcia because Fernandinho had the second 45 against Norwich with Laporte I think Cancelo will play at left back I think Gundogan will come in for David Silva because I think he wants to play Gundogan and Rodri like he did in the away game like he did against Liverpool David Silva hasn't played against you know there was the United game there was a Leicester game there was a Spurs game there was the Real Madrid game before lockdown in those kind of physical fast-paced games he hasn't played Silva and he did against Arsenal in the FA Cup and he kind of struggled to get on the ball. I actually thought he was good when he was on the ball, but I'm kind of thinking they might worry that he might not be able to keep up. So I think Gundogan will come in and play like a double pivot with Rodri. Then it'll be De Bruyne ahead of them. I'm not sure if it'll be Foden. because Did Foden go off at half-time? I think he was one. He went off for Mares. So I'm not sure who's going to be on the right, whether it's Bernardo because of his kind of work rate and his technical ability. And the fact that if you remember the Carabao Cup semi-final at Old Trafford, if you're asking somebody to put in a, a shift like that and an intelligent performance, I know he's not been in the greatest form, but there's still a lot of arguments for Bernardo. I'm worth, not sure if he's going to trust Foden for it. Like He might do, but I'm not sure. And I'm yeah, not sure but, if he's going but, to trust Mahrez for it. But also worth chucking in that Jesus played on the left in, in Madrid and yeah, Mahrez yeah. ran the show that night as well. Yeah, 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 absolutely true. So, And obviously Mahrez was the one that came on at half-time, so I'm starting to think... In, Maybe, maybe it'll be Mares. So let's say Mares. I've all, and I was going to always say Jesus would play through the middle. Obviously, he played on the left, but I think he was going to play through the middle. And Sterling on the left. But um, I, w- I read in like Wayne Rooney's column for the Times. He he reckons it'll be Bernardo and Mares on the wings, which I'm not sure how that would work because they very rarely play on the left. And Sterling through the middle. And it's like, I can actually see Sterling playing through the middle. So I mean, may, maybe he'll keep. Foden on the left because of his technical intelligence and the fact that he's becoming a bit of a big game player like he was in the academy. Um, or maybe it'll just be Jesus on the left again. Um, so I, I'm not fully decided, actually, when it comes to the front three. But, I, you know, if I had to you know, put money on a lineup, I'd probably have 10 names for you. Um, and I, Yeah, I just think he's going to be Gundogan and Rodri, which I know a lot of people aren't going to like. I'm hoping to properly explore that before the game and explain how they play differently when they're in the team and if they are slower and how the passes change. But I've got so much on this week with other stuff, I'm not <laughs> sure if I'm going to get to it. But if I don't do it now, I'll do it before the next game or after this game or whatever. Um, I think it'll be them instead of Silva. I think just about it'll be Fernandinho instead of Garcia. I'd love to see Garcia. I think it might be Fernandinho. And then, yeah, then it just comes down to who plays on the on the right, I suppose. 
Just before we finish the show, Sam, uh, I've got to get your thoughts on um, Nathan Ake and uh, Ferran Torres. Uh, the situation there is that they haven't quite signed yet. Am I right there? Yeah, yeah, they haven't quite signed yet. Um, you know, deals agreed with the clubs. Uh, personal terms agreed with City, obviously, before the deals were agreed with the clubs, because that's just how football works. Um, I don't want to see anybody complaining about tapping up, whether it's happening to City players or do it done by City. It doesn't matter. always happens. Get on with it. They're all ready to go. Um, Ferran Torres did his medical in Barcelona. Um, that should be completed middle of the week. Um, Ake's away on holiday. I'm not sure where, but same kind of thing. That should be completed maybe middle of the week, towards the end of the week. Um, Chelsea have got a matching clause on Torres. From what it sounds like, you know, they've already decided they're not going to go in and say, okay, here's the same amount of money, we'll take him instead. And obviously Ake's agreed with City, he wants to come and play with Guardiola, all of that jazz. Um, so yeah, it looks like, you know, barring, you know, the last minute hiccups that can always happen in transfers, it looks like City have got two in the door already. It's good. Uh, good, good. It sets them off on a good stead, I suppose, ahead of next season. Given that the that the tr- this transfer window is going to be quite truncated. Yeah, well, truncated in terms of City because they've got the Champions League, and you know that might affect Koulibaly because Napoli aren't going to want to do anything there with him. I don't think before their before their fate decided in the Champions League, and I think they've got a lead over Barcelona from right in saying um, going into their second leg. Um, so that so there's that you know they won't be able to do some certain things until after the Champions League and obviously the transfer window is open until October which is ages away but yeah say if City finished the Champions League on when's the final like the 22nd or something like that of August the league would start for City a bit later but like three weeks later and they obviously are going to want to do their business then so yeah for City it's truncated they would have the opportunity to go into September and October if they wanted to but as as we know from seasons gone by they do want to get their business done before the season starts and be organised and all those things that you kind of associate with City's transfer business. Obviously, things can go wrong, but they do like to be organised. And like you say, it's off to a good start in the sense that it shows that they have been, they are, and they, you know, they they will continue to be. Whether they can, you know, get the final negotiations over the line with some of the other clubs, we don't know. But um, like you say, certainly a good start. And I know I said that was a uh, final question, but one, I promise you, this is my final no, question fine. now. Um, any any other news transfer-wise that you can tell us anything, uh, any other irons in fires that you know are happening in, in the coming weeks? No, the only other thing, so you know I mentioned before how it was kind of a, a false nine profile for a forward. That is still the case. It, it's either like an attacking midfielder slash false nine kind of player. You know what I mean by that? You've immediately got a picture in your head of the type of player, I guess. Um, but you know, they have to be like a clinical goal scorer as well. Um, so I think that's where Jao, the Jao Felix um, inquiry at Atletico Madrid, I think that's where that came from. He's that kind of player. It's either that or if they get a traditional number nine, they have to be strong yet skillful. So that's kind of a tiny update on where, where they're at with the, with the striker search. In terms of names... Not really got anything for you. I, I mean, I have done an article, actually. It's like a, a hypothetical who would be a good fit for City kind of thing. It's in conjunction with Tifo. And Tifo have suggested a player based on analysis. I've done a bit of analysis, but not as deep as that. Um, I've basically come out with just, I just had a look at Latoro Martinez because that thing of being strong and skillful, he's about a centimetre taller than Aguero. So he's not necessarily, not, he's not necessarily much bigger, but he is a very similar style of player. Obviously, they're going to have to replace Aguero eventually. He's good in the air. I'm not saying it's going to happen because I think he does like the idea of going to Barcelona. So I'm not saying it's going to happen. But hypothetically, if we're looking at those kind of profiles, 
um, you know, then like Lautaro Martinez, um, João Felix, that kind of thing. It, they're the kind of player you'd be looking for. I suppose like with those kind of clues, you could probably go and have a look on, I don't know, databases wherever wherever they are and find similar players and work out who City could be going for. And don't forget, I think they're going to spend a lot of money. So I've, I don't know if this is the case, but I wouldn't be surprised if they spent 100 million on a player. I wouldn't be surprised or 100 million euros maybe. Um, that's kind of speculation on my part, but that's as far as we're at with it. And yeah, on a left back, I didn't know last time because I wasn't sure if they were going to get one, but now it's more, I don't know, but that's because my best sources don't know either. They say it's still kind of up in the air and it's to be determined by what happens at the end of the season, which I don't think is entirely true because if the end of the season's Friday, then what have they learned? <laughs> now, what, what have they learned between the end of the last the Premier League season and the Real Madrid game? And if, uh, yeah, so I'm not sure. I, I'm sure. I'm sure they'll go after one. I didn't realise that worst case scenario this season could be over on Friday. I'd not thought about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Like we don't. Like we, we don't want that. Obviously, we want to. Well, we want to carry on. Um, yeah. Well, we hope this this Champions League can be really interesting. And obviously, as as everyone I would imagine listening to this is a City fan, you're going to want to be a part of it. Like, why wouldn't you want to be? And you know, Leon or Juve in the next next round is a good opportunity. Well, uh, we, I hope that when it comes to next week's show, Sam, we are talking about a victory against Madrid and uh, the excitement of the, the ties in Lisbon to come, plus maybe one or two more transfers as well. Who knows? Uh, but that's it for this week's Why Always Us. You've been listening to Sam Lee. Yeah, thanks very much. Good chat. And uh, to me, David Mooney. Don't forget, you can sign up to The Athletic with a 30-day free trial right now by using the code MANCITYPOD. Mm-hmm. 